pray in church. We have a prayer meeting on Wednesday night, and I, I hope and trust that you are spending some time on your day uh, in prayer, and even if it's just, you know, at work and in your car. But at least you're trying to communicate with God. But there's another level we have to get to. And, and the reason for that is, is because we live in a time, we've grown up in a generation, whatever age you are, we've grown up in a generation and a culture where we really haven't, in our thinking, needed God. We know we need Him, but when you look at how we live, when we look at how we really live our life, what are the things we turn to and who do we turn to when we get, when we get in trouble, when things don't work right? What's the first thing we do? And very seldom do we really come together and pray. Oh, we may say prayers, but I mean really pray. And the reason I think this is so important for us to understand is the church by and large right now, and I'm seeing people exhibit this, because most of what you see the church doing right now, they're doing in their flesh. They're reacting to things in their flesh. They're saying things in their flesh. Sometimes, many times, it's coming from the pulpit. And we're not really walking and being led by the Spirit of God. Because wherever the Spirit of God is, there's unity and there's peace and there's power. And most of the time when you see people frustrated, when you see Christians angry, when you see Christians lashing out, it's because they're in their flesh. They're not in the Spirit. They're not being led by the Spirit of God. And the reason for that is we've not really learned how to live our lives in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. And most of the time in the last few years when we hear about people being in the Spirit, often it conjures up goofiness, people that are off in la-la land somewhere and doing strange things. And that's not what the Bible means by walking in the Spirit. There may be sometimes the Spirit of God manifests Himself in ways that may be strange, but it's not going to be goofy and it's going to produce a result in the church that's going to bring the church together, that's going to make Jesus, Jesus uh, uh, glorified and lift Jesus up because that's the Holy Spirit's main responsibility is to be our helper, our strengthener, but also to lift up Jesus and to exalt Him. And most of what you see going on publicly by people in the church, isn't, that's the question, is this exalting Jesus? Because that's what the Spirit of God is here to do. So I'm saying that all by way of preference, pref, uh, beginning, <laughs> that the reason for most of the time we're dealing with things in our flesh is we do not understand the power that's at the disposal of Christians. We sometimes, sometimes it's exhibited because we feel helpless. My goodness, we're living in a world where we thought the coronavirus was getting under control and now it's, now it's growing exponentially. And then we begin to get our hope there are vaccines out there. Now we hear reports in Great Britain that there's new strains of this and there's so much uncertainty out there. Then you add to that all the, the, the racial unrest that we've had last year and it's still there. It's not going away. You add now the political unrest and the turmoil that's going on in, 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 in Washington and other places in this country. And then you see the church all dividing over these issues. And, and as, a, as a pastor, you can feel helpless. And now we can't meet the way we're used to meeting. And we have to wear masks when we come together. 
And it can be very discouraging and it can be very, you can feel helpless and powerless. And I don't know what you're dealing with in your own personal lives. Those of you that are watching online, you may be out of a job because many people have lost their jobs through what we've gone through and are going through. You may have lost loved ones. You may be at home right now because you're either dealing with this virus or you may know people that you love that are in the hospital. All kinds of things are going on right now that are stirring us up, make, trying to make us as Christians feel powerless. And so what we do is we revert to our flesh. We revert to things of our mind. We revert to things of our flesh to lash out and to do things. And that's never what the Bible teaches us to do. And this is Satan's work. What he's trying to do is keep the church distracted, to keep the church in, its fle- in our flesh, because he knows what so few people in the church understand, the very power that is at our disposal. And that power is exercised not through protest. That power is exercised not through what we say. That power is exercised through prayer. And this is the thing the church is the weakest in. And I mean effective prayer. So let's look at James chapter 5. We're just going to look at a couple of scriptures and I want to share some things with us and then we'll get about doing this. This is James at the end of his letter talking to the church He talks about people that are sick, uh, call for the elders of the church. And then in verse 15, he says, um, verse um, 16, excuse me, he says, confess your faults or trespasses to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails or accomplishes much. So God has given to us as Christians this wonderful tool of prayer and God is telling us about us, about this, this tool he, we have, that this accomplishes much. This is the prayer is a tool that God's given to the church and it puts us in touch with a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing, waiting at our disposal to provide what we need personally in our lives, as well as as a church, as well as families. And he's waiting there. He must be so frustrated because we're, we're struggling, we're suffering. We're, we're, the, his plan is not getting carried out because the people that he's entrusted with this amazing tool are doing everything else but what God's given us to do. We'll talk about why that is. But notice what this verse says. The effectual, the King James says, the effectual or effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I want to break this down. The last sentence, the effective fervent prayer. And this is the way my mind works. I've always read that to think that in order to be effective, the word fervent to me implies that I'm all worked up. That I'm, as they used to say about the old time Pentecostal preachers, that I'm swatting bees and spitting, just making a big show. And but you notice Jesus didn't seem to do that. Jesus didn't, from what we can tell, I don't see Jesus yelling and screaming and and creating a fervor with his prayer. And I'm not saying that that's wrong necessarily to do this, but Jesus simply spoke words. He had tremendous confidence that the God he spoke them to or the God that authorized him to speak them was going to back him up. So I began to look at the word, the Greek words that are behind this. And and the word 
fervent and effective is one word. It's a word that has at its roots the Greek word energeo from which we get energy. And it doesn't mean energy by you acting. What it's referring to is the power of our prayers. So the, what this is literally saying, is, it's saying it with two words. The, the, the effective power of our prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. So I think the Amplified does say it, that it works, it, it works tremendous power in our prayer. So what James is trying to tell this body of believers is, is your prayers have tremendous power behind them. And the only condition is that you're a righteous man. We'll say, well, that leaves me out. But you are righteous if you're in Christ. And what's changing my prayer life is to recognize that when I go to talk to my Father, because I'm in Christ, I have the same standing before Him that Jesus has right now. That means I have His full attention the same way Jesus has His full attention. Not because I'm so holy, not because I'm such a wonderful person, but because I'm in somebody that is. And that's our standing before God. And the Bible tells us all over the New Testament that we're to have confidence and boldness when we come to Him. And the word boldness means simply openness, being able to say whatever's on your mind, whatever's in your heart. And so this verse is telling us, He's waking the church up, understand this, you have at your disposal something that is more powerful than any other force in the universe because this power you have, this tool that you've been given, connects you to the power of the God that created the universe, who has infinite power and infinite knowledge. So this is the potential that is a church we have. And the wonderful thing about that is, you don't need to have a thousand people in the room doing it. Jesus said, if two or more of you are gathered in my name, some of the greatest revivals, there was an amazing awakening that began in this country out of a prayer meeting in New York City by two businessmen that just started to meet at lunchtime and just started praying together. And it began to grow and grow and grow and grow until it came to be thousands were coming together at their lunchtime. And a huge revival broke out of that. It started with two people. The revival, the revival that they began the Pentecostal outpouring back in the beginning of the 19th century, of the 20th century, started by a couple of people in Azusa Street. It's always started with people that were serious with God. And it doesn't take many because it begins to grow. But somebody has to stand up and beginning to do that. God's working on my heart to call people together with me to begin to do this. And I'd love to tell you, I know where we're going. I'd love to tell you it's all mapped out, but I don't know where we're going. I just know God is calling me. And therefore, He's going to call us as a church together to learn to pray effective, fervent prayers. Not yelling and spitting, but prayers that take hold of God and connect with Him. And we're going to talk a little bit tonight about what the Bible says that's needed to do that, because it does tell us some things that we need to do. So to do that, let's go over the first thing that the Bible requires for in order for us to make a... Again, I, want to go, I may say this over and over again as we talk about prayer, but prayer is not just throwing something up to heaven and hoping that it sticks. Prayer ought to have confidence behind it. And prayer is not saying prayers. It's talking with your Father 
who we call Abba, Daddy, Father, is talking with your Father who's told you to come and ask of Him over and over again. God says, come and ask of Him. It's all through the Old Testament. It's all through the New Testament. God's not telling us to come and ask of Him to frustrate us. He's calling us to come and ask of Him because He wants, he wants to answer your prayers. He, wa- he needs us to pray so that He can do what He wants to do in your life, in your family, and in this nation that God's placed us in. So there is no situation in your life right now. There's no situation in your body. There's no situation in your family. There's no situation in your finances. There's no situation in this church. There's no situation in His church. There's no situation in this nation that God can't do something about if only people will pray. His people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. We hear this verse over and over and over again. We pray this verse over and over and over again. But do we really believe, do we really believe that God will do that? Well, God's a God of His Word. So the problem is always on our end somewhere We're not doing our part in this. So this is the kind of thing we're going to begin to talk about so that God can help us grow in our confidence that we really are praying and really are connecting with Him. So let's go to chapter 1 in James and let's look at what he says here. Now he starts out talking about If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Notice he doesn't hold things back. It will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Let him ask in faith. So the key principle that's taught in the Bible, the key requirement for prayers being answered is we must ask in faith. without doubting. Jesus says this, we're not, they don't have the verse to put up there, but Jesus says this in Mark eleven twenty three and 24. He's telling the disciples how to get their prayers answered. And in that case, he's telling them to speak to something and he's used the fig tree as an example. And then Peter's marveled. He says, Master, the, the, the fig tree that you cursed yesterday, it's withered up from its roots. Jesus wasn't amazed. As he walked by the fig tree, he didn't go, Whoo, that worked. My goodness, isn't that amazing? He walked right on by it because he fully expected it to work. But the disciples were shocked because they saw him speak to a healthy tree one day and the next day it shriveled up from the roots. And that doesn't happen naturally, even if the tree died the day before. So Jesus uses this as a teaching opportunity. He says, have faith in God. Verse 20. And he says, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes, there's faith, that what he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And then verse 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, whatever things you desire when you pray, when you pray, believe that you have received them, and you shall have them. 
So the first requirement, and this is not like God has a checklist up there. This is a natural function of our relationship with Him. In order to receive from God, you have to, Hebrews 11.6 says, says, in order to receive from God, you must, without faith it's impossible to please God. Because in order to come to God, you must believe two things, that He exists, because why would you get an answer from somebody who doesn't exist, and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In other words, He will answer your prayer. So here James says, but you must ask in faith, which means you believe He's going to answer it. And with no doubting. See, once you pray, once you take a stand, Satan will try to sow doubt into your heart and your job is to keep that doubt out of your heart. For he who doubts is like the wave driven to the sea, tossed about by the wind. So the basic requirement, the basic requirement for answered prayer, the threshold requirement is that we have to believe God's heard us and He's going to answer it. Or He has answered it when we ask. First John 5, 14 and 15 says, says, this is the confidence that we have before God. That if we ask anything that's in accordance with His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, we know we have now the request that we've asked of Him. So the Bible's telling us to have confidence that when you ask something of Him, that you'll receive it. So why don't we have, why don't we have confidence? Well, one of them is because we're not confident we're a righteous man. Somewhere inside we know ourselves. And we know I may have felt really holy in church on Sunday, but I got into a fight with my wife. I didn't, but I got into my fight with my wife that afternoon, and I've been upset at some. I may have said a word I shouldn't have said today. And all those things float around in our mind, and we have an enemy out there who's very happy to remind us of these things. So how can I be a righteous person? Well, you're not. But in Christ, it, you see, He gets the glory that way. Because if your righteousness is because you're in Him, He's the one that gets the glory for being righteous. You get the privilege by your gra- His grace to be in Him. So that's the first reason we lack confidence. The second reason we lack confidence is we're not sure whether God wants to do this or not. That's why He gives us His Word. Any promise God has made in His Word, God has made to you. And if you will take Him at His Word, then you can develop faith that God will answer your prayers. So the second thing is you've got to develop a relationship with Him. Faith comes out, and I'll talk more about this probably Sunday or the next Sunday. Faith comes out of a relationship with God. We've, tried to, we've taken faith out of a relationship and we've made it a separate subject and we've analyzed this subject so that we can understand what it is. But when you take it out of the relationship of the one who you have faith in, now you sterilize it and it loses its life. It's like, it's like my trying to tell my wife I love her and, and trying to analyze what love is and explain to her the, 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 the analysis of my love for her. That's not going to go very far. It's something that comes out of our relationship and my heart towards her. Well, the same thing is our relationship with God, which means you will not have confidence in prayer until you begin to develop a real relationship with Him because the confidence comes out of the relationship. 
I'll use an example of that, and I, I'm going to get sidetracked here too much if I spend too much time on this, it is, is if, if, if you meet somebody for the first time, you may have known who they were, but you meet them for the first time, and they make a promise to you, at least this is what I'm like. I'm cautious, because I've had people make promises to me, and they didn't come through. So somebody makes a promise to me, I'm going to wait and see whether they do what they say. And as I begin to develop confidence in them, now I have greater confidence when they tell me something. The same is true with God. This is why Satan works so hard to try to tell you God didn't answer your prayers, God doesn't care about you, you don't measure up. He's trying to put the issue, the focus on you. Something's wrong with God and the, the issue is we haven't understood what is necessary in order to make this connection with Him. I have to move on. So it's by faith. It's only by faith. It's only by faith. And no doubting. It's so important to keep the doubt out of your heart. Proverbs uh, 4.23 says, Guard your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. And that's not just keeping sinful thoughts out of your heart. It's keeping doubt out of your heart. What did Satan come in the garden? How did he cause this fall to begin with? By sowing doubt into their hearts. Has God said? Can I trust? Can you really trust God's word to you? And Satan has the same scheme today, to sow doubt in your heart. So we have a responsibility when we prayed to maintain our heart, to keep doubt out of our heart. The next thing we've got to do is make sure that our prayer, what we're asking God for, that the purpose of it is for Him to get glory. Let's go to James, uh, John 15, verse 7. I've been, I've been living in this verse for the last year. Jesus is giving us a clue here. He's been talking this whole ch- first part of this chapter, first 11 verses, about abiding in Him. I'm the vine, you're a branch. He's talking about the relationship that we as believers have with Him as our Lord and as our Savior. And so He's saying, just as the branch li- has a vital relationship by which it draws its life out of the trunk, In the same way, the vine cannot produce fruit on its own. It needs the branch to produce the fruit through. This is very important down the road. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's the faith part, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. So the condition Jesus is teaching them, and he's talking primarily here about prayer. Go into verse 8 and I'll show you why. So he's saying, whatever you ask, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, whatever you ask, you will receive by this, by what? By your answered prayer, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so be my disciples. So the primary fruit that he's talking about here is answered prayer. And notice, it's, prayer, it's, it's prayers that, that glorify him. So here's, to me, the key understanding of prayer. And I've never taught it from this angle before. Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, and you're a branch. I'll do the branch this way, all right? The purpose of the vine is to bear fruit. In the case he's talking about here, most likely olives. 
or grapes used for, for pressing for wine. So the purpose of the vine is to produce fruit that others can eat of and enjoy and get help from. The vine can't produce the fruit itself. It can only produce the fruit through the branch. And the branch can't produce the fruit unless it's connected to the vine. And the only fruit the branch can produce is the fruit that's of the nature of the vine. So, what Jesus is teaching them here is your, for your prayers to be answered, you have to make sure that your motive and your heart and your prayers are ultimately to see God's will done in the earth. When you begin to change your motives for what God wants done, and you begin to recognize that God needs your prayers so that He can do what He wants to do, it will totally change your confidence in what you're praying because you know God's right there waiting for you to authorize Him to do what He already wants to do. So, we have to ask first. James says, you have not because you ask not. We have to ask in faith, believing that God's heard us and God's going to answer us or has answered us when we asked. We can't doubt. And we must make sure that our motive and our purpose is asking God to do something that is already His will. So let's begin to do that. I'm going to lead us in some prayers that are kind of on my heart. One of the things you need to learn to do as you're praying is allow the Holy Spirit to begin to lead you. And the, more, the best way to learn how to do that is by praying. The more you pray, the only way to learn to pray <laughs> is to pray. You can get textbooks and they can teach you principles, but they're going to teach you what somebody else learned and they learned it by praying. And as you start it, if you're not used to it, it may be awkward, it may not seem like anything's happening, but if you press through and you keep doing it, the Spirit of God will come behind you and He'll begin to engage in it with you. So, let's, let's, begin, let's begin to pray. We're going to pray for some of the things that are going on in the nation right now and pray for the church. And then some things that we'll just see how God leads us. So again, those of you that are online, please don't be a spectator. Please, this is so important. I think the church... This is why you don't have a prayer meeting. They're packed out. There are churches that do because they understand how critical prayer is. And so we need to grow and learn in this. So please be, don't be a spectator. And likewise, those of you that are here. Father, we come to you as a body of believers here at Faith Christian Center. We come to you tonight, Father, with the full confidence because we come with a desire to see your will done. Because we come, Father, with an open heart, not trying to impress each other or impress you by how well we pray and, and, and impress anybody by that, even ourselves. But we come to you as humbly as we know how to acknowledge that we really don't know how to pray effectively. And maybe those of us that do, we need to know how to be more effective in our prayers. Your church is so weak in prayer, and I'm not just talking, Lord, about this church. By and large, your church is so, in the United States, is so weak 
in prayer. We've been spoiled. We're lazy because we've had so many things given to us and things go so well and so easy for us for so long. And now that's threatened, Lord. We don't know what's coming this year. But these things that we have rested in and been comfortable in are threatened now from many different sources, Father. And that's not a bad thing because it may drive us to you. It may drive us to grow closer to you. It may drive us, Father, to recognize that we desperately need your power and your spirit involved in our lives and involved in your church. And Father, you've not allowed these things to happen and put us here at this time for us to be abandoned and defeated. But you've put us here at just this time to overcome for your will to be done in this earth, in this land, in this nation, in this part of this country, in this town, in our towns, for such a time as this. But in order for us to do your will, we need to pray better. We need to learn to pray. We need to have more confidence in prayer. We need to see how desperately we need to learn to pray. And so, Father, whatever that takes, we ask you to do that. We thank you that you would not challenge us with this without giving us the grace and the ability to learn to do this. We thank you that your word promises us that you are at work in us, both to will and to do your good pleasure. And so we begin tonight, Father, by being honest with you. Your word tells us, we just read it tonight, that James told the church to, to confess our faults to one another and pray for one another. And so, Lord, we're being honest with each other. We're being honest with you. We've not learned how to pray as we should. But we're here to learn. We're here to allow you, to ask you, to implore you to teach us, Father. And we may be stumbling at first. We may be stumbling in trying to do this together. But our confidence is in your spirit as a teacher. And so, Father, we thank you for your mercy and for your grace. And now we come to you, Father, to pray for this nation right now. To pray for a nation, Lord, that's in turmoil right now. We've been, it's been a year of turmoil. And not just now, but it just seems to be increasing and increasing and increasing. And it can be absolutely overwhelming, Father. It can be so discouraging to look at the news reports and see the videos and see all the things that are so threatening to our peace and, and can create confusion in people's minds. And then, Father, we hear voices of the church, leaders of the church, and other people speaking out in, in, in conflict with one another, Father. And some of it's acrimonious, and some of it's, it's divisive, much of it's divisive. And so much of the church is being tempted to be drawn away into issues that are not important to you. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Your word tells us that in these last days that many are going to be drawn away by itching ears. Many are going to be drawn away, Father, by, by, by doctrines and teachings that will distract them from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we need your spirit to, as a compass. We need your spirit to keep us on track. I pray, Father, for the pastors of this area. I pray for them, Father, that you would give us discernment to discern what's truth from error, to discern what's distracting from what's truth. 
from what's important to you. Father, help us to learn as leaders to trust more in the Spirit and in to, to base things on your Word and not on our opinions and on our ideas. Father, I pray for the pastors and the leaders of this area. Lord, that you would help us to remove our egos and our personalities and ourselves and to turn our hearts over to you to learn to be humble and to allow you and you alone to work your will in our congregations and in the people that you've entrusted to us. And I pray for your people, Father. Pray for your people, Lord, right now in this part of the country. For this is the part of the country where you placed us. We pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see truth and to discern truth. That we would learn to be not just believers in your word, but doers of your word. For your word teaches us that if we're not doers of the word that we hear, that we deceive ourselves and expose ourselves to the enemy of deception. And so, Father, we're asking you, we're asking you to begin to move by your Spirit and to begin to move on the hearts of men and women to to recognize where we truly are. Only your Spirit can do this, Father. I'm reminded of the prophet Ezekiel when you took him out to the valley and he saw a valley full of dry bones. (laughs) And you ask the prophet, can these bones live? And he turned to you with the obvious answer, well, Lord, only, only you know whether this is possible. And then you told him to begin to prophesy over the bones, to begin to speak life. And as he did, your spirit began to move. And it began to bring the divided bones, the divided skeletons, and bring them back into their place so that where they were where they belonged. And he began to to breathe upon them and and muscle and tissue and tendons and sinew. And then skin began to form over them. But they were still dead. And then you had him speak again and the Holy Spirit breathed on them again. And they rose up and they breathed in the breath of God and became a mighty army. And though, Father, that vision was of Israel at the time, We are Israel in the earth today. And so, Father, we pray today. What looks like, as we look at your church, a valley of dry, dead, scattered bones. Father, can these bones live? Speak to them. Speak over them. Give your leaders, give your pastors prophetic words to speak over them, words that are energized by the Spirit of God, not words of the future, not words of criticism, but words of life that breathe life into the dead bones, that breathe life into the dead church, that breathe life that we may stand up in this last days when our role, when our place here is so critical to what you need to do and what you do. For Father, untold souls are at stake and whether we do what we're here to do. And so, Father, I'm not moved by what I see, and I'm not moved by what I'm here. We give to your church leaders, Father, we pray, and for those that are here today, 
and are watching to give us a spirit of boldness and a spirit of confidence, Lord, not in ourselves, not in what we hear, not in what we see, but by the Holy Spirit inside of us. Lord, as your church in those early days when threatened came together and together they prayed for boldness to do what you put them here to do, we're asking you, Father, to give us a spirit of boldness, boldness that we would not be intimidated, boldness that we would not be threatened, boldness that we would not be distracted from what we're here to do, boldness that we would speak out and say what needs to be said, boldness that we would recognize this is not about us, but this is about your kingdom and your will being done on the earth. And Father, as we step out in boldness, we know that you will come behind us and give us your strength and your wisdom and your direction. Father, we pray for people in this body right now that may be watching now or may be here or may not be tuned in, that are dealing with issues in their family and dealing with issues in their health and dealing with financial issues, Lord, that are, that are draining them and distracting them. Lord, we pray for you to bring healing and strength and deliverance to them. For you are a God of deliverance. Jesus delivered people from demonic spirits. He delivered people from sickness and disease. He delivered people from from hunger. He delivered people from sin and bondage. He is a delivering Lord. He's a delivering Savior. And we are His body in the earth today. And we pray for deliverance for those that are struggling. We pray for deliverance for those that are struggling with physical sickness and disease tonight. We pray for those that are struggling with with emotional depression and discouragement, Father, that you would open the heavens and, and shine the light through their darkness, that you would shed the light of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ into their hearts and give them hope. We pray for those that are, that, whose marriages are being torn apart as Satan begins to work in them and take the, the issues that they've always had and begins to work them in and, and exaggerate them and bring division and strife. We take authority over those spirits of division. We break your power over those marriages. In the name of Jesus, we break your authority over those marriages. And we command you to come out and to leave them alone. Father, we speak grace, 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 grace and healing into these marriages. Grace and healing into these marriages, Father, so that those husbands and wives can come together in unity. We pray for children, Lord, that are struggling in homes. Children are struggling, Lord, especially teenage children, Lord, that are struggling with their own identity. Many of them are being challenged to struggle with their sexual identity and many other issues that are challenging their identity as Christians. Father, we pray for them that you would strengthen them, that you would protect them, that you would give them a confidence and a boldness that the word that's been sown into their heart, you would strengthen and water and bring up and it would produce a harvest in their lives. And Satan, we declare to you, you cannot have that generation. We stand up for them in the name of Jesus. We pray for generations, Lord, of young people, that are young adults that have been raised in the church and raised in this church, that have grown up and been taught the Word of God and been, been, been taught the things of God and yet have chosen to wander away off on their own. Father, put them in the hearts of people to pray for them as you have me. And we come and stand up for them tonight, Father. 
And we declare, Father, that, you, that Satan cannot have them. We stand in the gap for you and declare that Satan, you cannot have any of these young people, these young adults. In the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus over them. We claim them for the purpose that God has saved them and brought them up in these families and in this church. And we declare that Satan, you cannot have them. And Father, we ask you to open the eyes of their understanding that they would see the hope of your calling for their life that's in Christ Jesus. And Satan, you're the one that blinds the eyes of those that don't believe, that they don't see the glory of the gospel that's in the face of Jesus Christ and the hope. And we thank you, Father, for these things. 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 Father, the families, the homes, they're, they're, the, they're the stability. Without, without, without peace in our homes, Lord, it's hard to go out and to do the things you've called us to do. Father, for, for those families that are blended together, that are brought households together from other marriages where there have been failure or a death and, and children are being brought together in different households. And Satan tries to work his division and his rebellion. We ask for peace, Father. We speak peace over them, households. And Satan, we declare to you, in the name of Jesus, you will not prosper in those situations. And we pray peace and understanding and grace. We pray for the parents in those situations. For, for wisdom and grace to handle and to be patient and understanding and for the love of Christ to prevail in those homes and in those households, Father. We call upon this in the name, in the name of Jesus. 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 In the name that's above every name the name that's above every name. In the name that's above every name, we come tonight to exalt the name of Jesus. We come to boldly, confidently declare here in this room and over the airwaves the name of Jesus Christ, who's God come in the flesh to redeem our lives, to heal our bodies, to save mankind, and to break the power of Satan. Satan, we declare to you tonight, Jesus came to destroy your works. We declare tonight that you are a defeated foe. We declare tonight that every believer has been transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son, of His beloved Son. We declare to you that we've been given authority over you and over all the power of the enemy so that nothing shall in any way harm us. We declare to you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, but every tongue that rises against us, our God will cast down. We declare to you that the love of God, the love of God, the love of God covers us and protects us and that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's been given to us in Christ Jesus, neither death nor life, nor angels or demons and principalities and powers, nor height nor depth nor things present nor things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that He has given to us in Christ Jesus. And that love casts out fear. So we take authority over fear in this household. Fear 
in the households represented in this room and in, the, in, the over, in those that are, that are online with us tonight. We take authority over that spirit of fear and declare that you will not stop the church from doing what you put us here to do. We serve a God who has overcome you. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for these things. Again, we ask you to give us boldness in the Spirit, boldness in the Word of God, boldness of the Holy Spirit to declare your Word and to do your will, boldness in our homes, boldness in the workplace, boldness wherever you may send us, Father. And to do that, we need to be filled with your Spirit. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit in this place. Fill us with your Spirit in our homes. Fill us with your Spirit out in the, in the workplace. Fill us with your Spirit in our schools. Fill us with your Spirit wherever you may send us today, tomorrow, and the next day. With your Spirit and by your Spirit. And Father, as you teach us to pray and as you call us to pray, we're asking you to give to us what those men and women of prayer of old called a spirit of prayer. May your Holy Spirit draw us to you, draw us into prayer, call us to pray in the nighttime, in the morning, when we're called to come here, Father, and to lead us into times of prayer together. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails, accomplishes much. Now, Father, as we, as we spend some time on our own, at, at home and here, praying for maybe needs in our home, needs of those loved ones that we know, whatever that may be, we're asking you, Lord, for that, that spirit of prayer. And we thank you, Lord, that we know in advance that the things we're asking you that we already have the answer because you promised us that you have. So I'm going to release you to just spend a little time in prayer. If you want to walk around, just make sure you socially distant from one another. Those of you that are aligned, if you want to kneel down, walk around, but please join us in prayer for your families, for maybe other people, families that you know that God may put on your heart, or, or certainly for this nation, for, for me, for the leaders in this church, whatever comes to your heart. And we'll spend a few minutes on this, and then we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.